Welcome to the Inspiration Accelerator, hosted by Michael Sonberg, founder and CEO of Rebel Culture and Skyrocket Education. Each week, we'll talk to a different, inspiring person in the world of leadership, personal development, career, family, fitness, and beyond. Buckle up for the Inspiration Accelerator. Welcome, everybody, to a brand new episode of the Inspiration Accelerator. I'm here today with another phenomenal guest. His name is Thomas Ham. I'm going to be introducing him shortly. But before we get to Thomas, I just want to share a bit of inspiration since the last time we all met. I'm in a, a coaching group, and as part of the coaching group, um, yeah, everybody's asked to do one like seminal life-changing event uh, a year. And two of the guys in the group decided to engage in what's called the World Marathon Challenge, which is running seven marathons on each of the seven continents on seven consecutive days. And if you're thinking that the logistics there sound impossible, it's actually doable. Uh, they start in Antarctica, and then they fly to South Africa to run a, a marathon there, and then they fly to Perth, Australia, and so on and so on. And these these two guys, uh, one of whom had food poisoning the whole time from some some bad water he drank, and the other one who had a, a busted knee from even before race number one and was like hobbling to the finish line uh, on each of the races, uh, they, they did it and they got to Miami for the last one. And because of flight delays and, uh, you know, Miami in the United States and Florida because of flight delays and travel, uh, you know, I think some issues with like, um, passports and things like that in different countries, they got there at around, you know, 10 or 11 at night and started running the marathon at midnight and finished around four in the morning which is just incredible. And I watched the whole process through social media and it absolutely blew me away. And, and it's also something that like, uh, you know, just helps me redefine what I think is possible uh, because these guys are, are regular guys and sure they're in phenomenal shape, but um, one of the guys, his knee was busted. So the being in phenomenal shape doesn't help as much. And he just persevered through the pain but some people started to tell me about some of the other folks who were running this, uh, who were engaged in the World Marathon Challenge. It's, it's actually set up through a company. So you're traveling with the same people to each of the locations. And one of the guys was in his 80s and uh, had been a lifelong runner and said, I wanted to do this. There was a 13-year-old kid who was doing it with his mom, who was a big runner. And he was doing, the 13-year-old kid was doing half marathons. And not marathons, but uh, what a cool thing to do at such a young age. There was a guy who had gotten a terminal cancer uh, diagnosis and was told you have 12 months to live uh, and said, you know what, I'm going to spend at least some time in my last 12 months on this earth doing something uh, pretty incredible. So. Uh, and by the way, uh, I'm actually thinking about doing this now because I just think it's the coolest thing. And I uh, like we'll talk about the ultimate challenge. Um, so in a couple of years, I'm I'm thinking about adding this to my list. Anyway, uh, if you're if you're listening to this, and you're like, eh, like X or Y Z things are too hard, or 
man, it's impossible to do A or B things. Like, it's really not. It's just not. And I'm not saying that preaching to you. I'm saying it to myself and you're listening, but just it's just not, right? Like, you know, you, you can't jump from here to the moon. You can't. It's not possible, but like you can do like really incredible things. And it's uh, it's pretty amazing to, to, to remember that. So uh, with that, folks, I am going to bring out my guest. He is uh, a businessman. He's the he's the uh, founder and CEO of Smash Wellness. He is a chef by trade. He's got an incredible story about that. Uh, but he studied in uh, he studied in Switzerland. He's traveled the globe. Uh, he is uh, he's an endurance athlete. He's an invent. He's an adventurer. He's a dad. He's a husband, and he's really the type of person who um, he's a connector. He wants to make people's lives richer. He loves, as he puts it, like seeing people transform. And I could speak just personally from my interactions with him. He's always looking to connect me to, to folks and always and, and not asking for anything in return, just wants to connect people and make people better and help people be better. Uh, I am so psyched to have him on the show today. Thomas Ham, welcome to the Inspiration Accelerator, my friend. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me, and I'm humbled and, and grateful to have this opportunity. Thomas, tell us about uh, tell us about your your journey as a chef and how that that's transition like uh, transition into your work with Smash Wellness. How that get started? Where would you study, and what was that process like? Yeah, I mean, I started at, at down at University of Miami, and um, through the navigation of business management and. I was I loved sports at the time, and I loved a variety of different things. And I knew that um, when I when I settled on hospitality management, FIU at the time had a phenomenal program. So Florida International had a phenomenal program. I think it was like top three, I think at the time in the country under Cornell, maybe UNLV or Michigan State. And I was like, okay, wow, let's 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 kind of go the restaurant hospitality consultant kind of route, and. My third year, I think I did a seminar, second or third year, I did a seminar there, and there was a chef, um, his name was Paul Perdome, and he was absolutely fantastic. You've probably seen the seasonings in the grocery stores and what have you. He's uh, New Orleans-based, and I saw him, and he was, he was, he was, he was actually, it was like a three, four, 400 people, and he was um, letting people taste his food and, and talking about his journey and his passion, his just authentic and transparent passion for food um, was just epic. And I was like, you know what? I would love to become a chef, not necessarily become a chef for the rest of my life, but to, 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 to make myself the best hospitality you know, management person ever, right? So anyway, and I also knew that if, if, all, if, if, if all went downhill and everything went uh, sideways, you know, people are still going to be hungry. People are going to want to get fed. <laughs> and I can use my two hands. If everything went to bed, my brain and everything went bad and it went all sideways and it didn't turn out the way I wanted it to turn out, I can use these two hands and I'll never be hungry. Right. And yeah. I was like, you know what? That, that, that sounds like a pretty cool option. And um, uh, I, I researched, I researched, I knew I wanted to travel abroad. All right. Cause I was, I was looking at other organizations to travel abroad. And 
I found uh, I knew a, a, a gentleman who was on the board of a Swiss um, school. And I looked at all the different schools across the world. And the Switzerland just happened to have one of the best uh, training uh, facilities for culinary arts. And um, he said there was one seat left. And I was like, really? And I begged my parents. I was like, please like, give me the opportunity. Let me have the opportunity. Did I know any Swiss German? No. Did I know even regular German where I say in, 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 a, um, in a Germany, high German or Hochdeutsch? No, I didn't know anything, not a lick. But I was like, I'm ready to go. Let's make this thing happen. And um, my parents blessed it. And then I was able to go over there, um, take the certification, do the, take, I mean, uh, finish the actual diploma. And then after that, it was, a, I guess, an advanced degree diploma in culinary arts and European culinary arts. Did my internship over there. And then they said, FIU said, if you want to stay here and finish your BS program here in Switzerland, right, via Miami, you could do that. And I was like, sounds great to me. Overlooking the Alps, cooking food, friends were still there, and I get to speak um, a language that I've now become fluent in. Sounds great. Um, so that's what I did. How that now, now inspired. You've, you've, yeah, you've, you've traveled the world, uh, but like this is this origin story, it sounds like what. I mean, uh, a lot of folks go to cooking school here in the States. I know I have some friends who went to Johnson and Wales, mm -hmm. uh, and I know there are others. Um, that's, the, that's the one I'm most familiar with. Uh, and then they get a job at a hotel or a restaurant. You actually use this international experience, or at least start, to continue this process. I mean, you've traveled the world as a chef, correct? As, as a chef, as a sommelier, um, front of the house. Um, back in the house, I used it as a consultant as well. Um, and what happened was is, is that during the actual, the actual process of going to school there, you rub shoulders with people, right? Mm -hmm. You meet people. They might be from Beijing, they Hong Kong, Australia, right? Zurich, right? You're meeting people. You're meeting people. And I learned the stories. I listened to them. I sat down with them. We broke bread. They, they cooked for me their own cultural dishes. And I learned from them and I listened. And what happened was is through that listening and through that learning, we became friends. We broke bread and we learned about people's personalities and cultures. Through that, we say, okay, fine. Through those relationships turn to job offering because just like Thomas, hey, do you want to come to you know Australia to do this? I'm like, yeah, that sounds great. Do you want to come to Charleston to to uh to to uh do a contract sounds great do you want to become a sommelier and go to napa valley and sonoma and then travel through italy sounds great to me do you want to stay in greece for a few weeks and do a little work and also spend some time with our family in the countryside eating you know stuffed uh bell peppers and uh and, and enjoying the culture and i'm like darn right let's go to santorini and hang out on the beach for a week or two so at the end of the day that's the the it started from sitting down with people and really delving into and breaking bread and listening um and then through that they said hey they, they would call me up and say hey do you want to check this out and i'm always one to say yes and then i'll figure it out um just say yes and then you know get your foot in the door say yes and then all right well then we'll figure it out when we get there i said yes to switzerland didn't know a lick of dog on german we figured it out when we got there um and that reigns and has helped me um, within business and my personal life as well. Just say yes, and then we'll kind of figure it out. Yeah, and I think that that's been a theme on the Inspiration Accelerator, but where does that come from, this just say 
Yes, because I imagine there are people who are listening right now, even if they're up to really great things, who are like, saying yes is scary. And saying yes makes me crazy uncomfortable. And it's uh, it's easier for me to say not right now or maybe or like, let me think about it. So what when you say yes, first of all, where does that come from? That willingness to say yes. And then when you do, what goes on in your head? Is it an unwavering confidence in yourself or is it more of like a, hey, like I have like what what's the worst that could happen type thing so like what what where does it come from and then what's your thought process after you do it yeah um the the where it came from honestly is really is really easy so 1998 um i was coming back to atlanta to do some uh do some university work um college work and i got into a car accident and then almost i i, I almost died in the car accident mm. okay Prior to that, I was a wallflower. Didn't speak to anybody. You wouldn't even notice me. Like literally my cousins and my family go, oh my gosh, Thomas, how long have you been sitting there? Right? And I was like, (laughs) an hour or two. You know what I mean? Like they didn't even know. I I was super low self-esteem. You know, I had, I mean, I had too many big teeth from my small mouth, right? So they popped out five of my teeth, put braces on me, had holes in my mouth, three dermatologists you know, bumps and pimples all over my face, extremely, I mean, extremely quiet, right? And didn't say yes to anybody, right? I was like, please just don't call on me. And I had a ferocious stuttering problem when I was a child. So therefore, I try not to speak at all, try not to read in front of people, even though I loved reading. I had a complex about it. There's so many different things that were going on, right? Until 1998. And I read all these books about all these amazing places, right? From from Mykonos, Greece to, you know, these beautiful like Bondi Beach and in Australia and all these amazing places, right? But I only read them in books. I never went anywhere to see them. And after 1998, when I almost died, I realized when it came out from that crash, that car crash, um, no fault of my own, the brakes just did not work that one day. And and I ran into people and what have you. um, And everybody was fine, thank God. I realized I was like, you know what? Now it's time for me to say yes to things. It's time for me to travel. It's time for me to see the things in books, right? That everybody else is potentially going to that I'm just reading about. It's time for me to experience, right? It's time Mm. for me to open my mouth up and say hello to people. It's time for me to share my truth and share my story. And what's the worst that can happen? The worst that can happen is they say no. Okay. Mm -hmm. And I'm okay with that. Now to your second question, once I say yes, the nervousness, if I have any, is prior to you saying yes. But once I say yes, there is no nervousness. People ask me at the Ironman start, and they say, Thomas, you're nervous. I'm like, I'm not nervous. It's way too late to be nervous. Why am I nervous now? I should have been nervous before I signed up. Once, I'm, <laughs> once I say yes, now it's time to do the work. So there is no nervousness because now I know what I have to do. It's time to do the work. Once I start on the start line and say, hey, it's time for me to show what I've done, There is no nervousness. I've put in the work. So whatever the outcome, it doesn't matter. Because at the end of the day, I put in the work. The the race, right? The race is the training. That the process is, right, the juice. The actual day of the race is just what? Congratulations and high fives. But training by yourself, right, and grinding that out every single day, that's where the process lies, right? So yes, to answer your question, 
I personally, and, and to finish with this, I personally, when I say yes to something and I'm trying to figure it out on my way on the fly, when I say yes, I would rather bet on myself, okay, 10 times out of 10. If I lose, I lose, mm. right? And, and, and I, there's a great Nelson Mandela quote, and I'm going to paraphrase it, but he says, I, I, never, I never have failure. I either win or I learn. I yeah. win or I learn. And at the end of the day, I've learned a lot, right? But I'd rather learn on my, on my own two shoulders on my back, right? So at the end of the day, if I win, I win. But if I learn, I learn. And I'm okay with that as long as I, I'm able to call my shot. And, and that's kind of where it kind of comes from. And it's helped because I mean, at the end of the day, I'll take my odds and my chances over having, giving all control over to somebody else and, and, and not saying yes, right? And missing out on an amazing opportunity that somebody else is going to say yes to, right? And then I see them and I'm like, oh my gosh, I could have done that. And I never want that to happen in my life. This is, uh, man, I've got, uh, <laughs> I feel like I'm about to run through a brick wall right now. I'm fired up. Uh, and I, I will say this, that uh, my, my story is different than yours, but it was after my mom died uh, that I had a similar awakening where I said, and, and my, my mantra was, and we've never talked about this, so this is for folks listening, um, take, it, take it as you'd like, but this is some pretty good coaching coming down here. My mantra was and still is, say yes. Uh, and when I, when I was a teacher uh, and speaking to young people, often I would tell them all the time to say yes. Now, to be clear, this is not, hey, uh, your friend needs a ride to the airport, but you've got 15 things to do that you need to say yes to that. No, I'm talking about opportunities, right? When something comes up, uh, like an opportunity to study overseas or like a, an opportunity to go you know, do a workshop for a group when it doesn't maybe feel like it's the perfect fit or when it's an opportunity to get into a new program, like whatever it might be, you know, say yes is for me, it's my, it's my mantra. Uh, and it has served me better than any schooling I've ever had or any like experiences that I've ever had. Just this idea that you know, you can compound experiences. You say yes to, I mean, I, I said yes to a group of runners when I'm not a runner, although I'm becoming one, who were committing to doing 52 10Ks a year ago, uh, even though I'd never done one in my entire life. I said, yes, I met you through that group, right? Like we have a connection. We've now like worked together, we've supported each other's work. And by the way, we both have that same story with a dozen other people, probably more. You know, when we say no, we've closed the door on progress. We've closed the door on, on possibility. When we say yes, things happen. And that's pretty cool. And when I, yeah, I think I mean, about it, yeah, go ahead, please. No, I'm sorry. I, I mean, it's huge. And also too, when, when, and, and, and saying yes to the right thing, it's obviously, and you spoke about that um, very, very eloquently, and you're 100% correct. When you have the opportunity to do some amazing stuff and fear crops in, and you don't say yes strictly based on fear, not monetary, not this, just strictly based on fear, 
man, you are, you are really not allowing yourself an amazing story. Yeah. I'm telling you right now, your stories are so rich and so textured and so colorful when you say yes to different things and you go in there and you might learn, you might fall on your face and you learn, but what a hell of a story. What a hell of a story. I'm telling you when I go into a bunch of rooms with entrepreneurs and CEOs and, 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 and lawyers and doctors, and I sit down and I talk with them. And when, I, and when I speak with them, I tell you what, when I tell them some of the stories, they're like, wow, that is great. That's awesome, right? And that only came from a great deal amount, right? Of saying yeses and, and just taking one step at a time, right? Through that pain and suffering and irritability and discomfort and just stepping outside my comfort zone. And you cannot skip the test. You cannot skip the test that being the other side of your testimony. And I really realized that taking one step at a time, going through the test and on the end, the end, it's not about me. It's about, hey, how did you do it, Thomas? Two, three years, four years from now, how did you do it? And I can actually honestly tell them, this is how I did it. Not how I talked about it. Not how I thought about it. Not how I spoke about it. This is how I did it. And that is weight and depth to a person who is sitting on the couch saying, hey, I, didn't, I don't know if I can do this. I'm talking to somebody who's not telling me that he did something. I'm talking to somebody who actually did it. Mm. Yeah, and, and there's something that, by the way, that's all gold. There's something in there that I really want to lift up for our listeners, which is this idea of when it's fear stopping you. And that there's also like, probably some really serious self-reflection people need to, to do when, they're, when you're telling yourself it's not fear, when you're telling yourself it's because of X, Y, Z, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but be like, uh, be re relentlessly honest with yourself about whether or not the things you're saying are the actual reasons, the things that other people would be like, Oh, yeah, of course. Of course you can't do it because of A, B, and C. And you're like, oh, thank goodness. They, thank goodness they bought it. Thank goodness uh, I'm, I'm off the hook. When really, I could make this thing happen. I might have to move some mountains to do it. But really, I'm, I'm, scared, I'm scared to death to do it. Um, because that's like, there's huge growth on the other side of that thing of saying, yeah, I'm going to I'm going to say yes to this. I know that there are some like real reasons why it's going to be difficult, but the real reason why I don't want to do it, the real true one is that I'm afraid. I'm afraid of how it's going to go. Uh, I'm afraid I'm you all heard my intro to the show today. I am afraid of the 7 by 7 by 7 marathon challenge. Now, it also costs a lot of money to do it, a very real excuse, right? A very real reason. Um, it also would require me to be away from my family and my young kids for probably 10 days, all said and done. Again, a real, a real reason. But um, it, will, it will require a lot of training, a real reason. But I am afraid. I am very much afraid of being, of having food poisoning, being 10,000 miles away from home, having a, a blister the size of, of Mount Everest on my toe hobbling, like, you know, wanting to give up, uh, being embarrassed, telling people I was going to do it, and then letting them down. 
that's the thing that's on my mind, despite all the other real reasons. And I'm really going to encourage listeners to, to do that level of self-analysis when things come up. You know, Thomas, you uh, one of the things that is really special to me about you is this like push for authenticity that is just it it it, it permeates your your language, your being. We've had conversations where you've talked about like we live in a, a time when people are very quick to point the finger to say it's it's not my fault. Talk to us about your your feelings about this, about this like need for more authenticity in the world. Yeah, I mean, the, the thing about it is, is I started my company based on authenticity, transparency, and love, right? I, I, I saw a, a need within the wellness industry that if we can be truly authentic and transparent and lead with love, that we can transform and create a, a beautiful, amazing environment, right? That people can be feel safe in and that they can thrive in and that they can surpass their expectations. The thing about it is today, is very different than in the past. And, and, and people say that, and, and it's, it's like tongue-in-cheek, but in this way is so true, right? Back in the day, for example, my son will never know what it's like to court somebody traditionally. He'll never know what it's like to call up a father at their house and say, can I date your, right? He, he yeah. does, it, it, will, it will never happen, right? So it, it, it won't happen. It'll be swipe left, swipe right. He'll never know what it feels like to go up to a doorstep and open up the door and see their, the person's, the significant other's family and have to talk to them one-on-one and sit on the couch with that particular family and chat with their parents or their loved ones, right? He won't have that opportunity. It will not exist for him, right? And we're losing that. We're losing the authenticity and transparency of standing on our own two feet, looking people in the eye and telling them where we're at. We're losing the conversational piece. It's all swipe left, swipe right. Instead of calling, we text. Why? Because we don't want to talk. Time takes time, takes energy, takes effort. It's much easier just a quick send, push send. And then through that, over a long period of time, right, I think we lose that authenticity and transparency and we lose how to conversate with people, and we lose also conflict resolution with people. And at the end of the day, I think that's something. And then through that loss, right now, it's not my fault. Nothing's my fault anymore. Mm. Nothing's my fault. Nothing's my fault. I don't have to make amends to anybody. I was in a room the other day. I was in a room with very, very smart individuals the other day, and we were talking, and I said, you know what? I don't want to do A, B, C, D, and E because that means I have to make amends to them. Okay. Mm. And, and because I, I don't want to make amends to them, I make sure that before I open my mouth and everything I do, and I'm not perfect with this. And let's be clear. I am not perfect with this, but I heard this a long time ago. And this is my ideal. Before you open your mouth up to anybody. Okay. There's three things that need to happen before you open your mouth. One is what you're about to say. Kind. Two is what you're about to say. True. And three is what you're about to say necessary. Mm. Okay. And I sometimes got the kind of the true, but I mess up on necessary. Sometimes it's necessary, but it's not kind or true. And a variety of things, but all three of those things. And if you do that, you can what? Reduce the amount of wreckage, right? 
that you will have on this world and within yourself. And I told somebody that, and then they go to me, why would you make amends? You don't have to make amends to anybody. Why would you do that? For what reason? Mm. And I said, because I'm wrong. And I need to keep mm. my side of the street. It's not about them. It's about me. It's about holding myself to integrity. I make mistakes all the time. And to stand on my two feet and look at somebody dead in the eye and say, hey, I apologize. I was wrong. And you know what? What can I do to make it right by you? Mm. That kind mm. of thought process is this not happening today. If something happens with you, you point the finger and say, that's that person's fault. That person made me do it. That person took my happiness. That person took my smile. That person uh, 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 provided the trajectory, right, for A, B, C, D, and E to happen in my life. Instead mm. of staying there and saying, I own this. This is me, good, bad, or indifferent. And I'm okay standing here and saying, my name is Thomas. I'm not all together, right? I have a long way to go. I'm mm. trying and I'm struggling and I'm taking one step at a time. But let's be clear, I'm not what I was. I'm not where I want to be, but I'm not where I was. And I can stand mm. in the mirror and look me dead in the eye today. And I know who and whose I am in today. And you know what? That's far better than what I started. Woo! All right, man. I know we got some people listening to this in the car on the way to work or even running, running on the treadmill, running outside or picking up the pace, man. They are probably turning the volume up on this and, uh, and getting fired up. Now, now, one of the things that stands out to, to me about you, and you said that one of your, uh, your kind of core tenets when you started Smash Wellness was love, is love. Uh, and I've actually written for those folks who get the culture shot daily email that I send out, by the way, if you don't go to rebelculture.com immediately and sign up for it, those folks who get it, I wrote one recently about you, uh, and it was just entitled love period. Uh, that's something that you taught me, right? That you come at every interaction with love and that sometimes people think of it, that it could be a weakness, and sometimes you might get burned, right? And if even if you're working, even if you're sitting across from somebody who you know has an ulterior motive, or who might not be as as, as seem seemingly honest as as they should be, that you still come at all those interactions with love. Period. Where does that come from? What? Why? Why? I mean, you say you you say sometimes you get burned. Sometimes your friends think you're a fool. Why is, why is this love angle so, it's not an angle, why is this love approach so important for you? Yeah, I mean, I've, I've realized that if I'm going to error, aka learn, aka make a mistake, if I'm going to do that, I'd rather, I'd rather error on the, uh, on, the, on the error of love, mm. right? A lot of times people, people in, talk to me about different, I mean, I talk to a variety of different people um, throughout my day and throughout the week and throughout the month and and how I translate I talk to a lot of business owners and I talk to non-business owners and at the end of the day you know through personal relationships and business relationships I don't see a lot of love right love is not convenient okay mm. for me love is not convenient that's an acquaintance if you're I'm free you're free we can get together have some coffee that is not love Love for me is inconvenient. 
when it's the worst time for me to do said A, B, C, D, and you call me up and I say, yes, I'll be there for you, right? Mm. Love is reaching out that hand when you know you potentially have something to lose. And also when I say love, period, my love doesn't have strings attached to it. Mm. Oh, I love you if you say nice things back to me. I love you if you even like me, right? Love is, I've loved people before and put a period on it and how they took it, where they took it, what they did with it is 100% above my pay grade. It has nothing to do with me. (laughs) At the end of the day, when I love people, that's it. And how it lays on you, that's what you do with it. That has nothing to do with me. I did my part. I don't have strings attached to my love. I learned this word years ago, well, 15 years ago, didn't even know it beforehand. And I have a firm grasp of the English language, but did not know this word. And this word is altruistic. I didn't even know what that meant. But being altruistic today, to love, and that's it. No strings attached, no nothing. I don't want nothing from you. I don't want, if you provide something and you want to give back, God bless. I'm more than welcome. Thank you so much, right? But at the end of the day, at the end of the day, when I love people, that, that is it. And if I have some strings attached to it, I'm going to make my amends. Hey, I was loving you the other day. I apologize. I had financial motives. I had emotional motives. I had social motives, whatever. That was not right. I apologize. You know what I mean? How can I make mm. it right? Because mm. at the end of the day, I'm not perfect with it. But I have to let you know, right? Straight integrity. That's not right. That's not right with that phone call. Mm. That's not right with that email. That's not right with that text. So at the end of the day, if we do this, I'm telling you right now, it will literally permeate and people's relationships with you or go far deeper, far richer. And people are really skeptical. I've noticed. I've done that a few times and I've loved on people and they go, so what do you want? Mm. What do you need? What do you, what do you, what do you want? I like, I want nothing. What are you talking about? You want nothing. And then they get mad with me. <laughs> I'm dead serious. For providing the love. I want nothing in return. It's just, it's just a profound experience. Try to do that now and again. Just love on somebody and actually want nothing in return at all from them and won't take it. And I'm telling you, it will shake people because it's so rare. It's so rare now because if it was a norm, they wouldn't even flinch, right? But it's so rare. Like literally I told somebody, and I, I gave something to somebody one time, just strictly I love. Nobody was watching, just me and them. And then all of a sudden they looked at me like I had a third eye on top of my head. I'm dead serious. And I was like, what's wrong? And they're like, I've never had this before. And like, they couldn't understand it. It couldn't compute. Mm. And that, in my opinion, is, is, is where we have an opportunity, right, to grow. Oh, man. Uh, this is, uh, you know, I, I wrote in that, in that daily email, and I'll say to you now that you've actually inspired me to do more of what you're talking about um i am not i am not great at that and um i am you know look we this is called the inspiration accelerator because our guests are supposed to inspire our audience but you've inspired me to do more of that and to do more of the you know i said this to you before we got on air but i'll tell the audience now like You'll send an email introduction between me and somebody else, somebody who you think I might be a good fit for, like just knowing them. No, no business, no, no business uh, motives or anything. But I might be a good fit for knowing them, and they might be a good fit for knowing me. And your intro, folks, have to hear this because I imagine you all have experienced 
the opposite, right? When I do an intro to someone, I'm like, hey, Thomas, meet, meet Michael, Michael, meet Thomas. You all please take it from here. I'll say like, this person's a rock star, this person's blah, blah, blah. You write introductions that sound like, uh, Michael, I want to introduce you to, you know, person X, a beautiful, brilliant, loving human being who makes me better because I know them, who inspires me and is just a, a beautiful soul in this world. I mean, and folks at home, folks at home, I am not exaggerating this to the point where normally somebody does an intro and you say, hey, uh, you know, thanks, Thomas, moving you to BCC. And then you go right about your business. But these intros are so deep and genuine and real. And as you say, Thomas, filled with love that when I was reading them, I was like blown away. I mean, I was like, I need to respond to Thomas separately outside of this. And so you really do practice what you preach and with no motive for any sort of return. I guess my question for you is, is the fact that you are inspiring people to be more loving, is that a return in and of itself, even if it's not your motive, but is there like a, an ROI that looks like just what I'm saying to you now, or that other people are, are moved by, by you and, and, and what you put into the world? Yeah, I mean, you have no idea, right? You have no idea what a smile does for you. To another person, you have no idea what a hug does to a random stranger. You have no idea sitting down, right, and listening to somebody, right. So at the end of the day, my ROI, my ROI is for them to have a better day that day. How that translates is now they have a better day. Now they feel better. Now they provide love, right, to the people in their communities, to their immediate families. Now they feel better, and now it transcends from there. People's energy is a very powerful thing. When you have no motives, I've had clients come up to me and go, because of you, right? Because of you, I am not getting divorced. We were on the brink of divorce. You did not know mm. this, Thomas, but now I'm not. Because of you, right? Because mm. of you, you have transformed my life, right? And it wasn't even because of, it wasn't even because of what you did for me. Is what you did for my mother, my father, what you did for my cousin. They're not even clients of yours. Mm. Right? So when I sat down a couple of weeks ago and sat down with a client's mom, she just happens to be the, the daughter, my client, happens to be in another state. But I am in, in the same state and I'm in the same city as her mother. And I went to the home and her, her, her supportive health um, uh, or, I mean, organization and, and I went there and I sat down with her and spend an hour just talking with her and listening to her, right? And she goes, Thomas, thank you so much. It's so rare that people sit down and listen to me, mm. right? It made her absolute day. I never forget, years ago, I was in Orlando and I was working for a different company and I saw a man every single time. He came in every single time. You have no clue what you're doing to people. And when they, he saw me, I smiled every single time. And every single time, I gave him a big old hug. Because he looked like a huggable dude. He gave a great hug, by the way. Huggable mm -hmm. dude. And, I, and I, I smiled him, gave him a big hug, and he went about his way. Every single time, about every week. I saw him once a week. The guy gave him a big hug. He went about his way and enjoyed the, the night at my particular company. And all of a sudden, at the end of the day, months, months later, he comes up to me, right? Didn't know his name necessarily. Just give him a hug and a smile, right? And he said, hey, my name is da 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 I was like, hey, what's going on? And he goes, you don't know this, but I have been 
battling cancer for the entire time you've seen me. And because mm. of your smile and because of your hug, those are one of the things that assisted me into keep on putting one foot in front of the other to battle this disease. Mm. And for that, I'm grateful. Mm. Okay? With a smile and a hug. Now, you say to yourself, well, where's the ROI? Where's the monetary ROI? I tell you what, when you see another grown man, right, grown woman, right, teenager who had the poor image, right, body image of herself, and looks to you and say, because of you, right, because of what you're doing. And it's not me. It's not me. It's the people who did it before me who poured into me. All I'm doing is paying back what they did for me. That's all I'm doing. I'm paying back what some other man or woman did for me. And because I'm paying it forward, that the ROI literally brings me to tears and brings them to tears. That's powerful. So yeah, I might lose a couple dollars here or there. But to transform and touch people's lives in that way. So hard when they give me the compliment, I, put, I, I can't even look them in the eye. I've put my eyes down. And I start to well up with tears because I can't even face them because the compliment is too damn deep that I can't handle. I'm a great giver, but I struggle with taking compliments. Mm. That's mm. profound. And it, it's, uh, it's, it really is contagious, man. And uh, I, uh, I, I've, I've, since you and I have met, uh, but more importantly, since we've started to really be more connected, which is not that long, I have found myself expressing more, um, more love, not, not with my kids or wife, because that, that I'll say that I'm an, I'm an A plus on that, but with others in my life, I'm a C, I'm a, I'm a D. Um, and because of you I'm straight up, um, I am, I am getting better and stronger at that to the point where, you know, my, my dad was in town last couple of days and normally he leaves and uh, he's not a big, he doesn't say, I love you. Um, and every time I'm, I'm driving him to the airport, um, I'm like, oh man, I really want to say, I love you to him, but I don't know how he'll take it. Uh, and it's going to be, it might be weird. And he will sometimes not say it back if you say it. Uh, and I dropped him off and I grabbed the stuff. I said, I love you, man. And he said, I love you too. Like nice and loud. Like I've, I've never said, I love you to my dad more confidently than I did when I drove him to the airport yesterday. Um, that is because I know you, uh, Thomas, and because you model for me what it looks like to say that stuff and to act in that way. Um, so I, I appreciate you, man. I really do. Uh, thank you. Bless, man. I mean, that's a, a beautiful story. I appreciate you, you sharing that with me. I mean, it's just profound. And we have a similar examples about, you know, fathers and I love you. And that's, that's just absolutely, that's just amazing. And the, the authenticity and transparency, I think is lacking. I think sometimes within men speaking to other men, right? And then somebody left yeah. me with something the other day that really was profound that goes back to, I love you. And they said to me, and I, I, I modeled that from them. And they said that um, new, nor I, I say new normals happen very quickly, correct? Things happen in your life and all of a sudden rock your world and your world is never the same ever again. Yeah. Certain things have happened. If you live long enough, you'll understand what new normal is. 
you don't yeah. know what new normal is, you haven't lived long enough yet, and you will. You will. Yeah. You will, right? It's not something you teach. It's something you know, right? And at the end of the day, when I say that, I, when I leave every interaction, right? And even my wife sometimes is like, I'm just going to do it. And I leave every interaction, I say, I love you. Yeah. Right? The reason why is because if anything, God forbid, happens to me, if I'm on a training run and it doesn't happen, we're, I mean, it's, it's not good that day. If I fall ill, if I get sick, while I am strong and while I have breath in my lungs, I want you to remember the last thing I told you. And the last thing I told you was, I love you. Mm. So if I didn't say anything else to me, the last thing you hear out of my voice, while I have strength and I am strong, because I might not be tomorrow, is I love you. So when anybody mm. comes to you and asks you, Michael, what did he say to you? What was his last words to you? You can honestly say, he said, I, lo-, he said, I love you. Mm. So I mm. call a different person up every single day. Every day I call a different person up. Call them on the phone. Don't text it. Call them. Leave it on their voicemail message or text them and say, I love you. Every single day you do that. Every day I call somebody different. That's a challenge for folks listening. It's hard. Uh, if, you're not, if, you're not, <laughs> if you're not up for the everyday thing, try it once a week. But call somebody up. Tell them how much they mean to you. Tell them I love you. That is a, that is a great, great challenge. Thomas, we got to get you out of here on this because I know we're almost at time. But tell folks quickly, what does Smash Wellness do? And then how can folks find Smash Wellness? And how can they find you? Yeah, I mean, Smash Wellness is a wellness concierge service. So whatever you need within wellness, strength and conditioning, my fast release, yoga, meditation, uh, chiropractic, massage, the whole nine yards, we, we do it all, right? So anything you need, either, even in mental health, we have LPCs and psychiatrists and psychologists that we have this, this. So anything that you need within the health and wellness, we refer out a variety of, of different um, aspects of wellness. And then we do a, uh, quite a bit of in the house too. We deliver food, we meals and meal prep and and we do health seminars and, and we do speaking engagements to, you know, different companies, whether it be Fortune 500 or small, smaller companies or medium-sized companies and motivational talks. We do a variety of different things um, that have to do with inspiration, motivation, education, um, and then also wellness. Um, and then how you can reach me is underscore Thomas Ham, H-A-M-M underscore on Instagram. You can reach me on Facebook um, at Thomas Ham, T-H-O-M-A-S, H-A-M-M. Um, and then also on LinkedIn as well, you can reach me on Thomas Ham, um, and that will come out. And then my website is smashwellness.com. And all the information um, is there. And we're also improving as well as adding more information to the website uh, currently as we, as we speak at smashwellness.com. Well, Thomas, thank you so much. And folks, check out Smash Wellness. I mean, if you want just a little, I and mean, what Thomas gave us today, if you want just a little bit more of that, or if you want a lot more of it, go check out smashwellness.com. Reach out to Thomas on social media. Uh, even if you just want to learn more about like his, you know, his, uh, is like once a day, you know, love, love challenge. I'm calling it where you just reach out to somebody, um, and tell him you love him. Reach out to Thomas because, uh, we barely scratched the surface here. Uh, Thomas, thanks for coming on the show, man. Um, I love you and I appreciate you and what you brought to just my development as a human and what you brought to our audience today. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for that.
Um, and I, uh, I appreciate, uh, I appreciate knowing you, man. I am, I'm thankful. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. And I'm super grateful for, for knowing you, um, seeing your transparency and authenticity is just palatable for me, um, inspires me to be a better man, a better husband, a better father and a better son and a better friend. And for that, I'm super grateful to have the opportunity to be here today, be six feet above ground to share space with you today and just space, share space with your listeners. And I just love each one of your listeners. And I want to send out good vibes and positivity, love, health, and wellness to each and every one that's listening right now. Brilliant, man. Thank you. Thank you, uh, Thomas. Thank you, everybody. That was the Inspiration Accelerator. We will see you next week with a brand new episode. Have a phenomenal seven days between now and then. And uh, tell somebody you love them. We'll see everybody. Thank you. Thanks for joining us for this week's episode. Please look out for a new episode with a new guest every week. This was the Inspiration Accelerator with Michael Sonberg.